0: Welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast. I'm Chris Bevan, sports editor of the Can Repository, and along with rep sports writer Joe Scalzo. We'll also be joined a little later on by Cliff Hickman. We're here to look ahead to week five of the high school football season for Stark County area football teams. We'll talk about some of the top matchups in a moment for week five. But first, Joe, let's uh, talk about your impressions overall as we reach the midpoint of the season of uh, Stark
1: area football. Well, I I hate to start us out on a downer, Chris, but uh, my my initial impression is that outside of Maslin, it's probably a little bit down in terms of just some of the elite teams that we've had and teams that can contend deep into the playoffs. I I think Maslin is certainly a a state championship contender, but I look at the Federal League and it's kind of a a little bit of a transition year in that a lot of some of the better players are younger um, or inexperienced and that kind of thing. So it makes for maybe a fun season in a regular season standpoint, but I think, um, you know, really outside of, of mass on maybe central Catholic. I don't know that there's a team that, that I would expect to contend for a state title.
0: The, well, the one thing that I think might reflect that is the initial uh, OSHA computer rankings came out Tuesday afternoon. And, you know, usually you're looking at three and four teams in division one, three and four teams in division two that are in playoff position. And right now in that division one, you really only have the two, two Federal League teams that are showing up in the, in the top spots. And in division two, you have, you know, a team like Hoover and Perry who are having good Season, I think people uh, have expectations of them. They're both right now outside
1: the top eight. Yeah, and and some of that I think will work itself out. And some of the, you know, Perry is is you know getting hurt by the fact that they've played two canadian teams and, and hoover certainly um you know that that east loss is probably um hurting them a little bit and i would expect those teams to 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 make it in the playoffs and uh you know do well the rest of their schedule but yeah i mean it's it's uh it's interesting because i think in stark county you always certainly look at those top two divisions to see how the county as a whole is doing and and uh yeah i, mean, I think kind of reflects the fact that that there's some good teams, but not a lot of great ones.
0: Yeah, McKinley is the highest uh, rated one in Division One, sitting in uh, fourth place. And then Maslin actually isn't inside the top eight; they're ninth. Uh, uh, Maslin, excuse me, Jackson is ninth. And then in Division uh, Two, Mas- Maslin does lead its division. What uh, What team is surprising you so far, Joe?
1: I think Hoover surprised me a little bit. Um, I thought they'd be uh, a, a good team. They've been a little better than I've expected. Um, you know, they, they came so close to, to tying East at the end. I think they're about a, a yard short on, on the last play of the game. But, you know, they took care of uh, Louisville pretty pretty well. And, and, they you know, they put it on Glen Oak last week, which... which you know, you would kind of expect them to do Glen Oaks a little bit down, but I think not just winning, but they've been winning impressively, and and uh, I, I think they're a team that could surprise the rest of the way.
0: Anybody else jump out at you somebody who could uh – Make a surprise down the second half of the season here. That struggled
1: early on. Well, I mean, I, I think you know Louisville had that 0 and 2 start, but they beat Green, and then they they really had an explosive performance against Lake, which I think most of us thought that they would lose to Lake. And uh, you know, you think, well, geez, you know, maybe they don't lose. Maybe they don't beat Perry this week. Maybe they don't beat Maslin. But I think the rest of their schedule is is manageable, and they could beat one of those probably Perry. They couldn't. I don't think they could beat Maslin. But that's a team that I think last week opened our eyes a little bit and. I mean the other one I think is is always central as long as they get to that 5 or 6 win mark you know they can make a run in division 5 cuz I think they're I think they're pretty good um, but you know, it's always just a matter of navigating. You know that those couple tough games that that they're in, but they don't get any credit for losing.
0: Yeah, that's that's the one thing with Central uh, last year. I think uh, if they'd been able to squeeze into the playoffs, I think people thought they they would have been a team that would have been a factor, and it's going to be the same case this year. The Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, continues Friday, September 21st, when McKinley hosts Hoover. Kickoff is 7 p.m. Broadcast starts at 6:30 with the old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkman, Jeff Shreve provide the call each Friday night with Todd Porter on the sidelines. Looking ahead to uh, week five here, we'll start off with Hoover and McKinley. Joe, what, uh, what's the big key, you think, in that
1: game? Well, uh, you know McKinley's a very quiet 4-0 no, just because they've played some teams that we're not real familiar with. But, uh I think the key is, is uh, you know, who can run the ball, who can kind of establish that line of scrimmage, and it's something that McKinley's struggled with at times this year. Um, you know, and... and from that you know i i, I mean i think mckinley is very talented but have they been tested enough and have they been tested as much as hoover has and so I, I think that's a game that it's good that that probably is the premier game in in the conference or the county this week and um, it'll be interesting to see i think we'll learn a little bit about both those teams hoover enters that game with the uh, federal league's leading passer and
0: leading rusher uh, a rare double in the in the federal league to have that on the same team mm-hmm. mckinley you mentioned his struggle to, to you know really get that run game going. What do you think last week did for the Bulldogs? It was a game where I think people thought maybe they'd win by a Couple touchdowns and and they obviously had trouble, but I think many times coaches, in retrospect, liked having that challenge as as their season gets deeper.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I I think you know we've learned about Green through the years is that they'll hang in for you know probably three quarters and they 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 don't do enough to win, but um, but yeah, you know it's a little bit of a of a a, um, I don't want to say a concern, but I think it shows that maybe McKinley isn't quite ready to be one of those big dominant teams they're gonna to have to find a way to win and and uh so again i i mean i wouldn't be surprised by anything that happens this week including maybe hoover winning uh in a convincing way but and i wouldn't be surprised if mckinley wins in a convincing way so um yeah it's, that's kind of what makes it a fun game from my standpoint
0: big uh, bounce back game lake and jackson both teams coming off losses what's your quick
1: thought on that one well i think this is an interesting point for lake in the season just because their schedule gets really hard um, you know after jackson they have mckinley hoover perry which you know probably the three other good teams in the federal league and then they finish up with glen oak and green so if they can get a game or two there and then win those last two then then they've got a chance to make it a nice season if they don't if they can't um, it could be one of those things where, you know, they they struggle a little bit over the next few weeks. And and for Jackson I, I thought they played um really well, especially in the first half against Perry. They just couldn't finish drives and and they could have easily won that game and I, I think um, you know, they have a chance to to do some good things and maybe make a run here, you know, their schedule sets up a little better. They have Glen Oak next week and then, then McKinley and then central Catholic green and Hoover. And so, um, you know, I, I, mean, I think they probably feel that they can win three of the four or four of those last games. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a really, really big game for Lake. um, and uh, it'd be interesting to see if they can bounce back, because we all thought a week ago that they were a team that could that could surprise.
0: What's uh, what's the one key that you look at in that Lake Jackson game that'll kind of tell you
1: who's uh, who's having the better of it? Well, I mean, you know, Lake obviously gave a 500 yards passing last week, and and uh, Jackson threw for about 250 against Perry. So if if Lake's secondary can get things um, fixed, and I think part of what they, the problem last week was just that Louisville was really hot. But if Lake can somehow um, slow down that passing attack, I think they'll be in the game and they certainly are good enough to win it. But if not, then they could be in trouble.
0: We're going to look at Louisville Perry in just a moment as well as have Cliff Hickman talk about Marlington. Remember, FridayNightOhio.com is your home for Stark County Area High School football throughout the 2018 season. Stories, scores, schedules, rosters, stats, you'll find it all there all year. Download the app and don't miss any of the news about your favorite teams and players. Looking at the other big uh, game involving a Federal League team and non-League game Perry against Louisville at Perry both teams are coming off really big wins last week kind of the opposite of the Lake Jackson game is they were the winners over Lake and Jackson so what uh, what are you looking at in Louisville Perry does it start with Perry's ability to defend the pass yeah
1: I think it does and and uh, you know Louisville has kind of rotated some quarterbacks quarterbacks the first couple of weeks but I think Colton Jones probably solidified you know his his grasps on the job tough to bench a guy after 500 <laughs> yards but yeah I mean I I, I I think Perry's secondary is probably the weakness of their team, and uh, you know, so if they can get things going there, I mean, the Perry likes to grind it out; they likes to wear it, like it wear you down, and if you can get them out of that. That mindset and that you know type of offense, then you got a chance. And and uh, I, you know, again, I, maybe we're reacting, overreacting to Louisville from last week, but they certainly seem like a team that's figured things out and, and has gotten better over the last couple of weeks. Well, the one
0: thing uh, I think that is usually unknown with Louisville is that they have good skill, and that with Coach DeMarco, who can be a, a really good play caller and creative, and really
1: get an offense going. I think when a team like that gets on a roll, they're dangerous. Yeah, I would agree with that, and and you know. What a confidence boost just to beat two federal league teams the last two weeks, and and kind of show, hey, we can compete with anybody on our schedule. I mean, even the the Hoover game, they you know they had chances. So, um, you know, it's it's uh you know it's a team that's hot and confident, but at the same time, I mean. Perry only gets better as the season goes on, and and uh so you know if Perry can just kind of do what they do and overpower them up front, then maybe you know it doesn't matter how how good you are. And it's from a skill standpoint, you just end up wearing down.
0: You saw Perry last week, Joe. What uh, what really impressed you in that game about
1: uh, this Perry team? Well, Fr- Frank Scurry their their quarterback, um, he only threw it three times, but in all three cases, they you know they only completed one of those, but like. All three probably could have gone for touchdowns, especially the two that were incomplete and and uh, so he doesn't throw it much, but he can throw it a long way and then you add in the fact that they got three guys at least that can not just carry the, the ball, but are really talented running backs. Um, that's that's really the strength of the team. I don't think they're probably quite as good defensively. They're, they're probably not quite as good up front as they've been over the last couple years, but um, they, they do have some really good players at key positions. That is probably
0: where the, the loss of graduation to some key defensive players is showing the most for the Panthers. We're going to move over to the EBC and talk about what is uh, shaping up to be the top team in the EBC, perhaps. Marlington the Dukes are sitting ninth, actually, in their region in Division Three, so just outside of the top eight playoff spots, but obviously a lot of football to be played to allow the Dukes to move up. And the Dukes actually will be making their EBC debut this week since they were the team that had to play the non-league game last week. And we're going to bring in Cliff Hickman to talk about the Dukes. Uh, Cliff, just give a general uh,
2: overview of Marlington right now. Marlington right now, the defense is playing exceptionally well. You take a look there averaging they're allowing less than 10 points per game they forced a lot of turnovers uh seven fumble recoveries they didn't have any interceptions until last week coach bo balderson said he challenged the secondary to make some plays he thought they were missing they came up with three interceptions five total turnovers so the the defense is playing really strong for them right now i think that's the key
0: it seemed like uh, the, the dukes had that slow start in the opener finished strong and they've just been building on that now the last couple of weeks yeah poland's a tough team
2: <laughs> it's hard to get anything going they're a, they're a, they have a lot of size and i mean that was a stiff test but you saw them respond they didn't give up and they've definitely carried the attitude they developed in that opener uh, throughout the rest of the season here
0: you, you look ahead to this week and they, they've got Carrollton marlington does
2: at marlington uh what uh, what key do you see to that game Uh, Right now, the the thing that you have to watch for Marlington right now are the injuries. They've got three starters that are expected to be out this week, including their top two running backs. Anthony Sabatino has been ruled out with a shoulder injury. Travis Winuskis, also a key starting linebacker on that defense. They feared he had a broken ankle last week. He left really early on. X-rays are negative, but they expect him to miss multiple weeks still. It's still, I guess, from what is described to me, a pretty bad injury. Uh, Caleb McCartney, another key wide receiver, is out this week as well. I think you might see a lot of Blaine Himmelheber at running back. That's a move he made last week. He also, C.J. Griner went out for a few plays with an injury, and he also played quarterback. Uh, Blaine Himmelheber can pretty much do it all. Uh, Coach Bo Balderson said if he gave him a week, he think he could play on the offensive line too.
0: <laughs> and he's probably one of those unsung players to the county at large. I think it was in the Eastern Buckeye Conference and the four. Foreign- former NBC. Those teams know him quite well. What uh, is it just the versatility that stands out about him the most?
2: Uh, it's not only the versatility, Chris, it's the intelligence. That's one thing Bo Balderson mentioned. He's a 4.5 student in the classroom, thinks he may be the smartest player on the field at any given time, because it's not just you're playing multiple positions. You have to remember all those assignments. He also plays defense, too, in the secondary. It's a lot of information to process and remember, and if you're not playing quarterback or running back all the time to remember all those plays and all those assignments and what other guys have to do it takes a special player and I think he's just that what uh, what are you looking for from the Dukes this week well, the Dukes, uh, Carrollton quietly, Chris, has uh, put together a three-in-one season. We don't get to talk about them too much. Their offense struggled last week. They actually won on a defensive touchdown, 7-0 over previously unbeaten Salem. Caleb Dalton, of course, the Western Michigan recruit at defensive end. Not just him, though. They have Connor King, who has really started to compliment him as a pass rusher. So the Carrollton defense is really good. It's going to be a question of can they overcome all these injuries where you have a starting receiver, your top two running backs out. Now, Mar Mason has played really well at wide receiver for Marlington, and C.J. Griner has played well back-to-back weeks here. He's taken some steps forward. So it's going to be a test for them to see how they plug some of these holes this week.
0: We're going to bring back in Joe Scalzo, and as we make that transition, looking ahead for Marlington, Mm -hmm. if they can survive uh, some of the, the injury problems against Carrollton, then they're on the road against Salem. The week after that, the schedule sets up for Marlington to kind of get on a roll then, is their home to Minerva, then they're at Canton South before finishing up with maybe the other two top teams in the EBC, West Branch and Alliance with the Alliance game being on the road and Joe Scalzo back on the mic. Uh, last thing we wanted to talk about before we get going is the uh, transfer rule. Something you'll be writing about this weekend, Joe and why don't you uh, fill
1: in listeners about that. Well, so yeah, the, the change this year is that in previous years if you transferred into a school, you would be ineligible for the first five weeks and then you would regain your, your eligibility Ability uh, for the final half of the regular season than the playoffs, and that, that applies also to other sports as well. But um, you know, I think what's interesting to me is that number one, it doesn't seem like it's going to affect. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I mentioned that. Like now it's reversed; you can be eligible for the first five. But it doesn't seem it's going to affect the Stark County schools, and and overwhelmingly, everybody thinks it's a great idea because what you saw, um, where, where some kids were just kind of like. Transferring in and almost joining all star teams to pick up a state championship ring, and, um, you know, or, or just, you know, kind of attracted to, uh, you know, a team that that wins a lot. And they would come in as their senior year and and not really like be a part of the school or the community. They just, they just kind of wanted to be part of a winning team. And so I think that addresses it a little bit. And, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll write a little about that out, some, some impressions from area coaches. But, uh, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it affects, some other schools and, and, uh, you know, cincinnati private schools and, and hoban they often get mentioned as you know kind of teams complaining about this happening so um I, I don't know if it'll be a big change this year but maybe down the line it'll affect some of those schools
0: to, to be honest joe when the rule came out uh, last spring my, my thought was the effect on basketball because i thought that was where you saw the abuses the most with the like you mentioned that aau all-star mentality and obviously basketball a lot easier to to add players in mid-season and kind of get yourself going unlike football where you know you you, know, you got 11 guys out there and you got to get everybody on the same page and i thought that was where you saw the worst abuses with teams that were you know sub 500 or maybe even worse uh, and all of a sudden they're adding three and four guys <laughs> in those lower divisions yeah. and, and just coming out of nowhere and cleaning up so that was my first thought i didn't really think of the football aspect of it
1: um the coaches you've talked to uh, are they overwhelmingly in support of it yeah i think they are and you don't you don't see the the transfer thing abused very often in stark county uh, You know, I know Maslin gets you know probably the most transfers of anybody in the, in the area, but you know, typically every every type of decision like this is either going to apply to football or boys basketball if it's getting abused in volleyball or softball or whatever sport you want to pick they you know people don't don't care so yeah it's usually one of those two sports that's driving just about every rule change that you see that's that's a uh, high profile well, it'll be
0: interesting to see how that develops down the road as uh, as teams adjust to that and the athletes adjust to that a reminder the akron children's hospital game of the week powered by iHeartRadio, radio for friday september 21st is hoover at McKinley. The broadcast starts at 6:30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. Thanks for downloading and listening to the fridaynightohio.com podcast, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. Check back for another podcast late Friday night after week 5 is complete. For Joe Scalzo and Cliff Hickman, I'm Chris Bevan.